Let's do that. And um, welcome to the uh, Dojo Universe webcast. Um, we're going to get started today with um, Shots and Dykehead from 1994. Um, Rob Matheson had his first class with us last night, and it's really exciting to hear what he had to say. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Uh, but I thought we'd just have a listen to um, what I think was his first world championship win, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, we'll get started with that. Hopefully they get started at some point.
sounds like maybe there was more on that uh, tape. But uh, yeah, that was uh, Shots and Dykehead from, um, I guess, uh, yeah, it was 1994. Uh, they won the medley. And um, I don't know a whole lot about Rob Matheson's history, but I do was, know was that. that the first year that. Was that the first year they actually that Rob Matheson took over the band? Was it the year before? I can't remember. Mm, I can't remember. Um, I think it may have been the first year. It might have been. And I know, regardless, I mean, it was a huge sort of thing going on there with Jim Kilpatrick and Rob Matheson. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely pre... What's interesting about 1994, and again, it's just sort of not necessarily a fact, but just sort of my observation is it was right on the cusp of um, sort of the new era of pipe band tone. And so yeah. um, the tuning and tone wasn't as solid in 1994 as it would be later. Um, I think that, uh, well, and again, I think you could not include the Strathclyde police in that. So they were, you know, um, the Strathclyde Police had sort of just finished their reign as, you know, the world's, by far the world's best band. That was producing really immaculate tone. Right. That was, uh, they, when did they win their sixth in a row? When was that? Was that 90, 1990? I'm not quite sure. Well, and they, it wouldn't have been six in a row in 1990 because Maybe uh, in Southern Fraser's won in 87. Right. Uh, but I think they did. I think they won three more times after. I think they won 88, 89, and 90, and then Field Marshall won for the first time in 91. Or am I full of crap? No, no. Field Marshall won for the first time in uh, 92, I think. Anyway, I don't know. I was barely born yet, so you got to give me a break. <laughs> and, you were picking up the waves from the ether <laughs> as a yeah, gleam in I, your father's uh, eye. <laughs> I was more than just a gleam at that point, but not much more. <laughs> um, I would, yeah, uh, one of the things, folks, um, very sorry, our website, we, I've been, you know, doing some things to it, and uh, uh, it's not been liking some of those things. So uh, it's been very sketchy today. So sorry for those who had trouble logging on and stuff like that. Um, but I know, Vin, you had trouble getting on. I did. I did. And uh, yeah. I finally got in. It's bypassing all the various pages worked <laughs> yeah it uh it's just uh been trying to get things to load a little bit faster but in the process uh you know it uh it doesn't it doesn't like certain things it was it was loading way faster but of course it kept crashing on me so so anyway it's the it's a wonderful uh i love being a small business owner and not having you know not being a programmer <laughs> but yet you know, living the life of a program. That's right. CEO, IT. Yes, it's head. a really rewarding sort of uh, lifestyle is to just be <laughs> staring at a computer that's not functioning. And um, I think we are back up and running theoretically right now, uh, but uh, who knows for how long. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Vin, what's what's up? What's going on this week, man? Well, so well, you got you're featuring Rob Matheson this week, aren't you? You got Shots and Dykehead at the Worlds in '94, which began their reign, right? How how many times did they win? Three. Well, the running They're the running. running joke in SFU, of course, being a rival band, was that they won every three years, so uh, <laughs> on schedule. So '94, '97, 2000, 2003, and then they won again in 2005. 
And that may have been the last time that they won. I think it was, yeah. May have been. Yep. I think from there it's been the reign of Field Marshal Montgomery with occasional SFUs in there. Exactly. See, they they won a year too early. Yeah, that was what it was. They. That's what did it. That did them in from then on, man. <laughs> they just played too well scared. that year. Yeah, yeah, well, and but, Matt, uh, you know, you're going back a ways. We go before this into the to the Polk Emmett was on the rise in the early, very early 90s as a, as a force with Matheson at the helm. Exactly um, right. Yeah. And, and Kilpatrick uh, was there as well, from exactly, what I understand. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, a you know, you know, all the more things change, the more they stay the same. Right. There was a typical pipe band shakeups at the time and Polk Emmett disintegrated. And most of those guys ended up in shots, including Matheson and Kilpatrick. So. And the rest is history, for the, as they say. So I think uh, those kinds of things happen all the time. It's just one of the perennial thing, you know, truths about pipe bands, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, it was very interesting, and and uh, Rob Rob has recently left the sh he recently sort of retired from the shots and diecast, and has gone to play with SFU and. You know, through the people I know at SFU, I was able to get to meet Rob a little bit this past summer, and um, and then I sort of got up the guts to ask him to teach with us. And of course, he was he was uh, you know uh, definitely very accommodating and interested. And uh, and last night was his first class, and uh, it was great. I had a great time. Um, yeah, he's got a really unique way of uh, of approaching everything, and yeah, you know, it's not um, you know. Uh, you, no matter how, where where you are in your experience level, I think you could always get something out of it. You know, it's just a different way. It's always it's always great to like shake up your own viewpoint about things and just think about it a little differently. And um, you know, maybe it just uh, makes it makes a little more sense perhaps or something like that. Yeah. Well, he approaches it from he approaches it from um, you know from a strict sort of musical um, angle. You know, and and. Uh, at least that's sort of what I gathered, and he, he was talking about all sorts of things where um, I know exactly what he's talking about. It's like um, last night on the class, which is now available in the archive too, by the way, so everybody can watch it. Um, but uh, what's interesting? Let me. Um, I'll turn on my webcam. Forgot to do that. I don't know. Yeah. I still don't have a, a light though. I don't have. Uh, I think that'll be coming soon. But uh, I digress. So uh, what's interesting is he, he came at it at such a um, a musical way. And, um, you know, his, his point last night was that the rhythm of it is sort of the most important thing. Right. And, yeah, he's, uh, I've, taken, I've taken, you know, this past spring, uh, the SFU work, Highland Arts Workshop in New York, he had a class, and I, I took that class. And he, he definitely has got his... Uh, his approach with the monotone, just sort of banging out the rhythm of, of tunes with all the embellishments in it and, you know, just sort of like sort of, I don't know, just cement the timing in your head or something like that using just a regular monotone rhythm that uh, duplicates the grace notes and various embellishments and things, which is really interesting yeah. and it really sort of um, makes you think about where you're fitting all that stuff in when you're playing, you know, and uh, stuff like that, so... Yeah, it's pretty cool. And he talked about he talked about a lot of different things. One of the things he talked about was the opening tune from this world's '94 that we listened to, uh, the James Henderson there, the sort of polka, and and how he was he was working to um, he was working with Jim Kilpatrick on the rhythm not being sort of a straight 
heavy, weak sort of pulse, but, you know, the way you'd play most stuff, but instead, um, uh, you know, but instead he was going for this sort of polka or a shatish or something he was saying. Right, right, right. Scottish. Um, Scottish, yeah, that's it. And, um, uh, you know, and, and he was saying at first the guys in the band were like, no way, that sounds ridiculous. All right. uh, but ultimately, um, you know, they implemented it and it's really a truly unique sort of approach and, and uh, it is. And uh, listening to Rob sort of explain this was kind of like eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Having, yeah, well, having he, was, he was like the king of the, uh, the, uh, the, the, I guess, the rounded hornpipe. I guess when I, in those days it was sort of an aberration that had, you know, equal sides, you know, people on equal sides, you know, on each side sort of condemning it and favoring it, you know, musically. And, but yeah. uh, he really ran with it, you know, in compositions of his own, as well as, you know, other tunes that he arranged. One of the things that I remember from a, from a class, uh, he, he, he and Jim Kapatch talked about the bossa nova beat, you know, the bossa yeah, nova well, we, rhythm. Yeah, well, that came up a lot last yeah, night. Yeah, like, and he just would, like, and I think he was, like, one of the first guys to really throw that kind of rhythmic flavor into pipe band scores you know um and then it really brought out a lot of a lot of the sort of underlying uh stuff in some of these open hornpipes that were being played um so he made it work you know <laughs> he was i mean you he, 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 you know he i think he has a lot quite a few i don't know how many detractors he's got i mean i'm sure he's got his fair share but uh i think he was really a pioneer in those early days you know in those days you know i think uh well, I wanted to ask you. It's a serious you, form of flattery, right? Yeah, I was I was going to ask you if. Um, well, you you have the uh, the album. What was the album I was thinking of? Oh, uh, Grace Notes. Grace Notes. Do you have like Do you have the Sandy's new Chanter track? Because he talked about that last night. He did. Uh, I do. I have them. Which one was that? Let me see. I check my liner notes here, which you can't get on iTunes. Poorly enough, there. Hold on a second. That was. Yeah, take your time because that's kind of interesting. And he was sort of referring to that as as though, um, you know, it was one of the. Yeah. Oh yeah, first... that's 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 the track. Yep, that's the that's the uh, the Irish reels track, which threw in conga drums and all kinds of stuff like that. You know, and with Jim Kilpatrick on on those, um, and it was really sort of at the at the beginning of of sort of you know the Irish style, I guess you want to call it that, or Irish, you know. Uh, approach to a lot of these tunes coming into the working their way into pipe bands and and, and solo piping as well um, and he's, he sort of maximizes those rhythms with some of the, uh, that selection he's got this it's got uh, the steam packet Sandy's new channer rakish patty farewell to Erin O'Rourke's reel and the steam packet which is his composition there Are you um, are you uploading it, Vin? Or uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. Hold on. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry for the dead air there. Yeah. Well, um, while you're doing that, um, I would also say that uh, Carl, you were at Carl's uh, introduction to Pebrock class on Monday. And, and by uh, Donald's class, yes, I was there. Who who did I say? Who did I you say? said my introduction class. I was oh, yeah. at my own class. No. My head is, my head's not there at all. <laughs> I've just been staring at a computer screen all day. 
Yeah, I think uh, it, it was really a, a great... Let me turn on my webcam here. Um, I think it was a really great class. Um, we had, I think, 18 people tuning in. And uh, Donald started with uh, Stroon Roberts, Robertson's salute. Stroon Robert, Robertson's. Robertson's. Um, salute. Right. And it was, a, <laughs> it was a really good class. He, he covered... Um, kind of the the basics of what PBROC is and and where it, where it comes from and and uh, it, it's a great class to get started if you're if you're unfamiliar with it uh, if if you listen to PBROC and it's kind of all gibberish to you um, this would be a great place to start um, and and really learn a bit about it and and come to appreciate it so it, it's great for many aspects uh, if you're just starting out or if you're you're you know proficient with PBROC, it's a great way to, to look at the tune a bit, um, and, and really get a, a greater understanding of of it. So it was a great class. Uh, I, I think it went really well, um, and uh, you know it, it's going to be great to to move through that. Uh, I spent a lot of time on Terry Lewis um, in PBROC, so it's a good exercise uh, for anyone really yeah, to work on I mean that. Yeah, the technique involved in PBROC, I think, is one of the big things that uh, keeps people away from it or makes them perhaps not as successful as they'd like to be and causes people to sort of lose interest in it. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was one of Donald's big things is that he was going to work on that a little bit too. So, so that's pretty cool. Was anybody out there um, there on Monday night? Like uh, anyone out there maybe a little apprehensive? But then, uh, you know, learned a little bit. I, f I find with, with PBROC, you just got to dive in. If you're not, if you're not a, if you're not a, a, you know, if you've been afraid all this all this time, you just got to jump in. Just, you know, it's that's the only way to do it. Don't dip your toe. Just go. Oh yeah, you keep, you keep thinking about it. You'll never do it, and, and then you keep, it's, it's not a, it's not a, a, you know, a dip your toe in and try kind of thing. You got to like jump in, and then you'll know for sure whether or not it's for you it's the only way yeah, yeah well uh then let's let's have a listen to this track and uh, so like what rob was kind of saying was this to this andy's new channel was originally handed to him in dot cut form mm -hmm. right so he was kind of playing you know you know kind of dot cut like that mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm, I'm just sort of, I'm just oh, sort yeah. of winging what he was saying, but 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 Rob's uh, idea was to make it round, mm -hmm. um, and this was this was back in what 80, 1980. Well, Grace Notes was 1988. Yeah. 88. So, um, you know, it was just sort of a new the round tune era was sort of, a, and he was sort oh, yeah. of I guess I guess my argument is that he was a little bit of a pioneer. Oh, definitely. With you know trying definitely. different rhythmic structures for tunes mm -hmm. and. and yeah, and Grace like Notes that. is really was the first solo piping album of this of this kind i mean since then there's been you know everybody's got one right you know you could you could run the list you know with where you've got solo tracks and instrumentation and interesting arrangements and, and like clever things going on but up till this point there was nothing like it i mean no one had that I mean, the solo piping at the time was you know world's greatest pipers you know uh, and and you, you get the latest sort of lismore world's greatest pipers your piece and pbrox and some armature spades and reels and that's it you know, when he came out with this, it was like, you know, uh, even pipe bands was still just straight pipe band music, you know, whether it was live recordings or, 
you know, the band release or something like that, you know. Um, but, so, but when this came out, it was, you know, he's got, you know, drum arrangements, he's got guitar backup, bazooki backup, all kinds of stuff. So um, let's give this a listen.
Wait, can we go back to that total sparkly moment? That was... <laughs> <laughs> you like that, huh? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> now, uh. I'd be tempted to say that's cheesy, but I am going to argue that uh, at the time, that was, like, where it was at. Oh, yeah. Oh, you bet. It was the 80s. Come the on. The idea, you throw, you, throw, uh, you throw anything behind bagpipes, it was, like, the stuff, you know? Um, after I mean, after after this came out, it was, like, everybody was starting to do little bits and pieces of stuff like that you know maybe nothing so uh so sparkly as a synthesizer backup but um definitely the rhythm and and some of the guitar backup and things like that so um i can see old tom mccallum was tom old tom mccallister senior is dead by then 1988 when did he die he might be rolling he might have been rolling over in his grave when this came out i don't know maybe well i'm sure quite a few might have been yeah I think grave rolling is unfortunately it's kind of a necessary step to uh, I think so you know moving new musical ideas forward absolutely you need to aerate the soil every now and then you know yeah I don't I don't think um, I don't know you might be tempted to roll over in your grave but you know <laughs> I think most most of the true musicians you know just would need to hear it a few times and wrap their heads around mm -hmm. it and, mm -hmm. well yeah and plus it was you know the sort of open hornpipe treatment like that was really something new at the time no one was really doing that at all um so i think that was probably raised several eyebrows not just a few yeah and certainly shades of what was to come in shots and dykehead later on too um, you can definitely hear some of that stuff happening there and i think it holds up even with the synthesizer in the background there yeah it's cool i i've never i've never actually heard it i had the big burl when i was a kid oh, yeah. Uh, but I. Well, there's, I, a, there's a track on. There's a track at the the last track. I think has got uh, Andy Renwick's ferret, which I don't think at that time had ever been heard widely, you know. So I think Gordon Duncan didn't even record that until the early '90s or mid '90s or something like that. Um, so that was like the first time people were hearing that tune, you know. I don't know if if it, if it was played, it was probably played like in concert with like I don't know, Tiny Weavers or something like that, you know. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Maybe we should load that one up. Yeah, we can uh, do that. Yeah. So, Vin, uh, we haven't really talked this week. What's uh, what's going on at Pipe Hacker? Anything good? Uh, things are holding steady. I got I posted my short-term goal post from uh, a couple weeks ago. We had that discussion, um, and it's uh, about it. I got a lot of things cooking. It's a matter of finding the time, you know. A lot of projects, a lot of cool projects in mind, but. Not enough time to execute them. Had a couple of failures, <laughs> unfortunately. Nothing, Fail nothing projects. that could actually be up on. I could start posting the failures. That would be fun. Epic fail, uh, epic, epic fail. Epic fail at pipe. Epic pipe hack fail. Totally. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. I mean, uh, we're kind of the same. It's kind of one of those tough weeks to find something to talk about, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. For us, we've just been. Down getting things going um jack taylor starting with the set tunes on thursday night that's right um, which would be yes. are you going to sign into that then i'm going to sign up for that yeah i'm going to be out but i shall probably sign in from uh whatever coffee shop i find with an internet connection oh right right so. yeah what uh yeah does anyone out there i mean we uh we we don't have a lot going on but uh are there any questions out there like random bagpipe thoughts that you've been having and uh, feel free to let us know yeah. any of those what, that you might what do you, well, it's, well, it's October, right? So what are your what are your hopes for the coming year, for the coming fall and winter? 
what are you, what are you hoping for yourself? How about that as a question, piping-wise? Nothing. Nothing. No one's hoping anything. Come on. Siri's got to have something. She's a, Siri, she's are you related to the Siri on my iPhone? <laughs> Um, she only spells her name with one I, but. <laughs> I mean, there's certainly enough there's enough to keep you busy at Dojo U, that's for sure. You know, between, and you got Willie McCallum coming up, what, in a couple of weeks, right? Next week or week after? And be focused on what MSR playing? That would be, uh, between that and Jack Taylor's class, you'll be set for the year, I think. So Bruce wants to win a couple of contests in grade three in 2013. That's a pretty good goal. They're, they're, over. they're pretty good, very good broad goals. You know, the trick is to actually try and figure out how you're going to do that, right? You know, what does that mean? Yeah, see, now, Vin, you're like, you're on this kick. You, you want the goals to be smaller and oh, more yeah. specific. Gotta be sm like, yeah, you gotta, how are you going to win? You know, like, what are you going to do to make your, you know, to get yourself in that point, at that point, break it down? got to be actionable, right? Like, I would love to be able to compete more than twice <laughs> in a season, you know? That would be my overarching goal, you know? Be able to compete, like, maybe four times. That would be a good one. But but those are logistical things, you know? I could I could break that down into a, very, a variety of things, not necessarily playing stuff, you know? Yeah, um, John asks, when are you going to have your belt system finalized? Uh, we're working on it. Um, it's uh, it's already the the skeleton of it is already in place, as you know. And um, if anyone would like to, you know, work on that, um, you know, let me know and sign into the open dojo sessions, and uh, we can work on some of the material. Um, Yeah, three, voice three. published an article on how to improve USP, USPBA support for top grade piping by Donald Lindsay. When was that in? Was that the most recent yeah, issue? Yeah, I, I guess I there's, an, uh, there's an issue out, but I haven't gotten it yet. I haven't gotten it either. Ours just came last night, and I, uh, I didn't have time to read it, but uh, there is a very lengthy article in it there uh, by Donald Lindsay um, where he, he basically wrote out uh, transcribed uh, several conversations he had with top pipers. Um, Willie McCallum's in there. Um, there's, there's, I think, three or four more. Uh, it, I, mean, I think it was like eight or nine pages in the voice. It's a big article. Really? Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's one way to it, fill a magazine. Yeah, it's, it's part one of <laughs> part one of more, um, and uh, I, I can't wait to have have a moment to actually go home and read it because, uh, you know, I'm. I'm very interested in that. Yeah, uh, it's it's a good topic, you know. I mean, it's, yeah, it's really, you know, when you think we and we talked about a little bit about that uh, a couple of weeks ago, right? Right, about how to sort of rejigger competition, and we talked about a little bit about last week as well. How do you, you know, create opportunities that would, you know, foster development of some kind? You know, um, you know, I mean, Scotland kind of does a lot of things right when it comes to stuff like that. You know, between, the, I mean, they've got a lot of parallel tracks. You know, you've got the CPA system, you've got a, sort of a normal games track, you've got, uh, you know, the CLASP now, the, the League for Adult Amateurs, or so, you know, you've got a lot of opportunities there for people to develop and, and, and set goals for themselves, you know. Here's a question, here's a question that's been on my mind is, 
do you think that it's a negative thing that solo contests and band contests are tied so closely together? For example, I, 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 like, I went on this rant just last week or two weeks ago in Loon with somebody. <laughs> I was just like, because it's, yes, absolutely, it's a bad thing. I, I think it's it's high time for the two to separate and go different ways. You know, you can I, I join just, them. I feel like, I feel like if you're really serious, if you're really serious about your pipe band, when you go to a pipe band competition, that's the thing that you really mm -hmm. want to focus on. And, exactly. and vice versa. And vice versa. If you're really serious yeah. about solos, you want to prepare and you want to go to it. And I wonder if the fact that they try to cram both mm -hmm. things together all the time, I wonder if that's part of it. And, and what makes me think of this is definitely the CPA versus the RSPBA in Scotland. Like they're two mm -hmm. very different things. Um, and it's and it's also not you know. Um, yeah, I mean, no, it's it's it, and it makes a lot of sense because I mean, what you said, like they they recognize that early on that the two are uh, you know they're divergent things that if you're focused on or serious about one, you really don't have a lot of room for the other on the day, you know, on when you know a lot of people do do both and you can if it's separate, you know, you don't have to worry about the overlap there, um, you know, I mean, the perfect example is Loon Mountain. You know, it's 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 late in the season. It's far away for a lot of people, um, and the, the solo started at 8:30 in the morning in the freezing cold. You know, so it, it's a deterrent in every way. You know, when you think about all the things you could set up to drive people away from something, you do that. Have it really far away. Have it be really cold <laughs> and really early in the morning. You know, so you got so you got to like spend an entire weekend just to go play solos. You know, and if you're going up there with the band. Um, you know, you got a, a lot of activity going on all day long, all weekend long, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, you know, I was, I, that was, that that did it for me. I was like, you know, it's, it's high. And the only reason that they do this, the only reason that the games in general do this, because they use the same judges. That's the only reason. And because, you know, the judges have to be free to judge the bands at noon or one or whatever the band starts, you know, um, so the solos have to be pushed away, out of the way, and get them over fast so the judges can be freed up to judge bands. You know, it's a, it's a lot of work for the judges, you know, to be on call that long and listen to bagpipes all day long like that, which, you know, some, you know, I'm sure it's enjoyable enough. But at the same time, how focused can they be either, you know, if they're serious about their judging? So I think it's high time. Then you can start everything later. You get more people to go. I think more it would be more of an incentive for people to show up if it started at noon. Okay. Uh, in the afternoon, the uh, guest viewer here, the original... Uh, it says that he or she disagrees and that uh, the fact that they're combined gets a lot of more people into the idea of playing solos. Mm -mm. You don't think so? I don't know. No, I, don't know. I, don't I kind so. of agree. I, you know, yes. I, I would, I would, I I would agree with that only so, far, so far as that it, you know, it, it is, if you're doing both, it is kind of a logistical challenge, right? Now you've got to travel twice as much, um, you know, to band stuff and to solo stuff. Um, and then that could become a deterrent, too. You know, so, you know, making it easier for you to do both is an incentive in some way. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that that far. I mean, it's not a perfect thing all around either way, you know, but it's at the same time, it's really got to be a better, there's got to be a better way to do this than the way we've been doing it for 40 years. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Yeah. I, uh, and, I'm not sure. Bruce says, I, I don't think it's the only reason it boils down to cost, and and it's true. I, th I think it's like it's it's the same, it's the judges' issue. You know, it's they paying judges to be there. They might as well leverage them for all they're worth. You know. 
Yeah, I, I think a lot fewer people play solos in Scotland. At least that's my impression. Um, and but so, then, you know, but then you know, the events. But, but you know, you could also make an argument that there are fewer people are playing them because you've weeded out the people who might not be as committed to their own, you know, progress or something. You know, like so, yeah. people who are left doing it are a little more serious. Yeah, so you, you get a higher level play. Into, now you're getting into a gray area for me, which is yeah. Um, I, I, maybe I you're not that, that into it at first. <laughs> maybe your pipe major kind of talks you into it, and maybe you're not a genius competitor on day one. And so you know, uh, and maybe you don't want to go out of your way. Maybe you mm -hmm. maybe you do want to play a quick solo in the morning, but then uh, uh, but then sort of focus on the band. And so I mm -hmm. think there's pros and cons. It's just you know, for me, I haven't necessarily made up my mind one way or the other other than to say it often makes me wonder or or like is there a way to run it better or something or could you have the solos on friday night or uh, yeah i don't know something like that there's, de there's definitely well yeah i mean it, it may, maybe it's maybe it's a way of maybe you have to decouple it from the games totally you know and you run competitions on a circuit that are low cost you know, um, sort of regional events that could run as a part of the circuit that be easier for people to get to. They wouldn't require, you know, schlepping across a park, <laughs> you know, because the parking is like, you know, on the other side. And, uh, you know, just various things like that. I mean, you know, is there any reason it needs to be outdoors all the time? You know, it could be indoors sometimes. Um, you know, just these little things that could actually open up opportunities for people um, and, and maybe sort of spark ideas and, and, and action by others, you know, say, well, yeah, you know what? Yeah, it doesn't really have to be outside all the time. Why don't we run an indoor competition in June, you know? Indoor yeah. um, in June, there's an idea. Right? Then you don't have to worry about the weather. Exactly. Well, and if you look closely, the, the clasp and the gold medals and the silver medals, those are indoor contests in August. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, um, yeah. And, and, and there's, you know, it gets it gets into a lot of things that I've, that I've touched on before. It's, it's it's you know, it treats it as something more special and more important than your average sort of games, which sort of tends to relegate the solos to the darkest corner it could find, away from everybody and everything. You know, um, it sort of treats it as something a little more significant. You know, and then as a result, the players get that message too, so they they tend to treat it as such. You know? Yeah, I think one of the big problems is. Um, you know, and we're even having this. I mean, the Orin Moore indoors um, that we have are really, I think they're awesome. They're solos only, and you don't have to get there at 7.45 in the morning and mm. stuff like that. But, you know, I think size is a major factor. Is yeah. once, once you have 200 people that want to play on a day, how do you manage that? <laughs> right. I know. There's only so many hours in the day, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm not sure well, they, I know they, the answer. I don't know. Maybe if 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 you're reaching that point, that kind of success, then then maybe maybe you start capping entries. You know, you you, you limit it to the maximum number you can actually achieve, starting at 11 in the in the morning and going to like six. supply and demand. Yeah, just cap it and then be done. You know, and then then it yeah, becomes a little more prestigious, right? Then you got to get in early. You got to like you got to be excited for it and you got to be committed to it. You know. Yeah. Well, and if anything, I think that disproves your point about Loon Mountain. You think? Because that's essentially what they've done at Luna. <laughs> and you went anyway, Ben. You went. I did. 
I did. Yeah, and, you, you know, and, yeah, and I, I, I touched on this because they, they made it a significant thing. Like they turned the, the grade one was like the overall winner went to got an invite to the Nickel Brown, um, which is kind of a cool sort of incentive for people. And uh, did you win? Yeah, I didn't. I placed in the Peabrock though, which was fun. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, that was a big. That was like 19 people or something. Yeah, yeah. Hey, a, let's talk about big. that. By the way, uh, the Nickel Brown is this weekend. I can't right. believe I forgot to. I should, we should have made this a major topic. My, as I, as you know, my brain has been uh, on cloud nine. But uh, I'm actually sad I won't be there at all this year. Oh, you're not uh, going? Okay. I've got I've got obligations. A friend is getting married in Boston, so. Uh. Um, but uh, which it's kind of a bummer. Um, Nickel Brown is a collection of the top amateur pipers in North America. And uh, they have a committee, and they work really hard to select the absolute best amateur mm. players from around, like, the whole continent. So mm. there's usually California, British Columbia, Ontario, um, several from the USPBA, um, several – usually there's one or two from Atlantic Canada. And sometimes, like, they've had people from Japan and stuff. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, have you ever had anybody from, like, Argentina or Mexico or something weird like that? Yes, is the answer to that question. I can't remember oh. their names, but... Well, Chris Lee, I think, is from Hong Kong, and he was there uh, more than one year. Actually, Mike knows a lot about this. Yeah, uh, South Africa as well. Um, I think you're referring to... I forget his name, who's originally from South Africa. Yeah, that's right. So uh, it's very cool, and, and uh, this year, Willie McCallum is over judging. So uh, and he's and playing they do a recital, a recital and stuff on Friday night too, don't they? Judge, yeah. There's like a judges recital or something. Exactly. If anyone out there is even remotely in reach of Albany, New York, they definitely need to come out um, on the Friday night or the Saturday or both because uh, it's a really really cool contest. Yeah. It's kind what's, of like what's the when crowd like usually on on a given year. Well, in a good year, you'll get like 50 to 100 people in the crowd, which is kind of cool for an esoteric art mm -hmm. form. But uh, I think if more people, it's not that they don't know about it, but I, I think if um, I think if more people got excited about it, it could really become a big thing. Uh, you know, yeah. not just. I mean, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like having it like linked in a lot of ways. I mean, Scotland actually moved away from a lot of that kind of stuff, where certain contests were qualifiers for things like the silver medal, or you know, or something else like that, and you know, and they sort of narrowed their scope in in that. And where on the other hand, I think it could work in, in something like this, where you have regional high-end contests that could, that just need more exposure, you know? So you, so you sort of broaden your reach and link it to other things, like, you know, having qualifications, you know, other contests be qualifications, then that would draw players, you know? Because not everybody can finish the top of the, top of the heap in your points in your respective association, right? You know, that's a, that's a whole different game at work there, which may, not, may or may not uh, allow you to be you know, put forward to as a viable invitee, you know, so more opportunities. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool. That's going on this weekend. Uh, so, um, I know, uh, we're going to be donating some prizes to the winners. So, uh, we're actually, uh, s you know, sort of sponsoring the event, which is really exciting. Uh, I, uh, the first time I met Jack Lee, was at uh, the Nickel Brown in 1993. Oh my God, that can't be right. 
please tell me that's not right. Uh, no, it couldn't have been 1993. I would have been like nine years old. It was 1998. There we go. That that's the better number. 1998. I first met him. I was uh, I had just turned 13 years old, and I played at the Nickel Brown. It was my first year in grade one. Uh, I from what I understand, I was kind of lucky to get the invite, uh, but I played really well. I, I worked really hard and I played really well, and I took two firsts and a third to win the overall at the Nickel Brown in 1998, and. Uh, Jack Lee was the judge, and uh, that was the first time we met. Uh, we met several times after that, but um, obviously um, Jack has been an enormous influence on my piping, and um, and it was sort of, um, you could say in a way, uh, it was all because of the Nickel Brown that uh, a lot of the opportunities were laid out for me. So mm -hmm. it's it's definitely yeah. an event that that's close to my heart, and I know it's close to a lot of other people's as well. It's It can be sort of a springboard into the next level, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I mean but I that's just an important point too. Like you, you have the, you have the sort of these <clears throat> these sort of opportunities, which is, you know, around here mostly it's like workshops where you get people of that stature coming over, and you know you get a chance to meet them and talk Carl, with them. But, uh, did you say that you have breaking news or something or what? I do have breaking news. Sorry. You have breaking news. Yes, oh. I do. Wait, hold on. Is that where your head <laughs> popped up? <laughs> Wait, where's your where's your Chiron or whatever they call that thing that goes across the bottom? Oh yeah, I'll scroll. Um, Wait, hold on. Hold on, let me see if I can find some breaking <laughs> news YouTube. This is not happening in time. Um, so I just got word that the World CDs will be here. Drum roll, please. Uh, not this upcoming week. They're going to be delivered um, from the factory uh, to the UK on the 9th. Oh, this isn't breaking news. This is breaking speculation. <laughs> so what do we get? So we should have it. We should have it shortly thereafter. Um, either, either Maybe getting later and later with that stuff, week. man. Give me a number, That's man. Exciting. What's the number? Fifteenth. Uh, the fifteenth. Excellent. That would probably be the, the time it'll take to get here. So we've 15th. we've received many 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 pre-orders for those, and and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, are we and, still uh, having? If you haven't gotten yours, reserve it now before they're all gone. Yeah. Um, they're gonna go really fast. Yes. So uh, that's uh, exciting. Sorry, I just I literally just got that word. Um, so uh, they'll ship to us on the ninth. I'm gonna order mine right now. <laughs> it's definitely a worthy purchase. I've got some holes in my collection, unfortunately. I don't even know how to plug them. Oh really? Is there I a can, 2010 hole? Because we got no, those CDs. No, I've got I've got that. I think. <laughs> Just testing our website to see if uh, um, to see if it's working. I think we're back up, thank God. But I don't really know. The problem seems to be with logging in. It seems to kick mm. people out at that point. So anyway, we'll find out in a second. But uh, I don't know. Without further ado, I think maybe we should listen to this last track and kind of call it in yeah. for today. It's kind of a scrappy scrappy show today. But uh, um, thanks everybody for coming and. Um, uh, I hope that you continue to enjoy the fall yeah. features here at Dojo U. Absolutely. As we close, let me give you a rundown of the tunes in this little selection of airs and reads. It starts off with the Blackbird, goes into the Gravel Walk, uh, Andy Renwick's Ferret, uh, and then the Old Mountain Road. And an awesome track cool. that I think stands up to anything released in the last 10 years or so easily. So. Uh,
without further ado. Let's do it. Have a, have a good day. Yeah, we'll see everybody later, and we'll listen to this, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.